What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Football Podcast. A once again solo edition. Noah Lurch could not join me this evening. He worked late. So I think that what we're going to do is I will recap the Missouri State game along with everything that's happened throughout this week, tonight, and then Noah will have an episode for you guys either tomorrow or Friday because I will be out of town on Friday and won't be able to uh, tomorrow either leading up to the game. So Noah will have a recruits and Youngstown State preview for you guys by the end of the week as I am doing Missouri State here tonight, as I said, because we were going to combine them because of me out the rest of the week. We're actually going to do that tonight, but like I said, Noah couldn't do it, so that's quite all right. I am here to recap the win that made us 4-0 on the season. What's going on, everybody? I am Nick Malone. Uh, So a lot of stuff happened in this game. I'll obviously kick off with that, and then before I get to everything else, uh, but as we recall, coming into this game, uh, what the spread was, we were going to predict. Noah had it before. It was like seven and a half, eight, which it was. Um, obviously, we took the over on that, or we, yeah, we took the minus on that, and then ended up taking would take the over in the game, and just in general, obviously, to pick us to win. I'll get to the. Uh, well, I'll say it now because I'll pick, I'll pick apart some things on this game, but uh, the final score, thirty-three to twenty. If everybody remembers on the pre-show, I predicted thirty-four to twenty. After Noah predicted a 35-18, to 18, which is exactly what I was going to do, or I think he said, yeah, it was 35-18 or 35-17, he predicted. Uh, so ironically, I changed it and almost get it exactly right. So dig at the dub. Like I said, it, it, a lot happened, and the, the scope of injuries, and clearly every time we do one of these, we you know go through what happened in pregame. And there was a lot in pregame, and we were kind of frustrated about it, so much so that leading into what I'll talk about with Nick and his presser, injury-wise, that he had uh, somebody who asked him had to make a comment on that he heard from someone on Twitter to finally had to ask about it and stuff, and Nick kind of, he wasn't too, uh, you know, he kind of mentioned it as if you know for the media and for people it's something to talk about but for them it's not obviously they would know more specifics on it. i'll get to that here in a second but um the crowd was great you know me noah and a friend of ours got there at a pretty decent time about an hour before um and we walked around a little bit in the concourse because it was hot and it stinks that it's hot this time of year Still, even though I think, you know, coming up here it'll be cool, but it was hot that day. We wanted to stay out of the sun a little bit, so we waited before we went to our seats uh, and walked around and walked behind the, you know, the the team was on the field uh, warming up, and we walked behind on the bleachers, just behind it, and just surveying, and, you know, a lot of things to survey. Like I said, the crowd ended up being great in this game. It was a 10,359 who attended it. Luke Martin did predict over 10, and he was correct, as we figured he would be. Uh, so that was great. Uh, but things we noticed in pregame, and, uh, you know, in terms of, like, what we saw first, I guess that really doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is you see important players that are apparently hurt, that we heard last Monday that they were fine, and we talked about Mondays are just an awful day to do uh, some things. You know, it needs to be full-on recap of the game, and then they need to have one on a Friday to preview the game because so much can happen you know, so Fridays just are the best way to just have the preview for the upcoming week. And if somebody in case gets hurt, we know what happens. It happened to Ryan Schwindeman 
Uh, in week two, he didn't play that game because he got hurt in the week. He might have got hurt in the, but he didn't really. I mean, he played in Austin P, but he had the touchdown taken back and all that stuff we've already talked about. So I don't know. He had to have gotten hurt in practice, but. Um, so, you know, that's how we would like it to be. But the first thing we notice, like, it doesn't matter, again, first thing, uh, Deontay and Dayton, as we know, they both got hurt at SEMO in their own respective ways. Dayton got pushed out of bounds, rolled over out of bounds on a punt, and came out. We saw Jalen Reed the rest of the game. And then Deontay got hurt near the very end of the game, you know, was looked like a pretty bad pain, came out, came back, then, came back in. Uh, Nick Hill talked about it today. And said he didn't say anything on Dayton, which I feel like is important. You know, he's a depth wide receiver piece, and he's our punt returner. Uh, but he hasn't talked about him at all. Like he'll say some injuries, but then he won't. Uh, you know, didn't talk about more. So maybe Dayton's okay. Who knows? They just wanted to keep him out. But it, again, it, it's stuff you don't want to see out of a buy. That's for sure. But we thought everybody was good after the buy, or during the buy, and everything, because we saw Deontay come in and he looked fine after the game. But we saw him in a brace. Both of them in a brace. Um, you know, walking around, Avante was back at the game, and so we saw Avante hanging out with Deontay, and like I said, and then Deontay and Dayton ended up walking together, often on the field, but it was just a shocker, you know, the shocker in the sense of like, of course, we're told that everyone's healthy, and then they're not. So I guess to them, it's no big deal, which of course, I want our best receiver on the field. Granted, he's not playing like the best because other guys are stepping up. Isaiah's great and healthy, but uh, we talked about endlessly about Deontay getting screwed in some facets of games and not getting the ball. But So apparently they're okay with it because they didn't mention it. So those two are out. Again, we tweeted about it, injury notables early, and just, of course, that's the case. So you never want to see that when, you know, we were kind of confident going into this game, but at that moment you're kind of like, okay, some people are going to have to step up, and I'll get to a guy that definitely stepped up throughout the game. But seeing those two get hurt, not ideal. Um, and Nick said today, he didn't, like I said, didn't talk on Dayton, but he said on Deontay they got a good word that they they expect him to be back this year, of course, and talk about how Deontay's dealt with injuries his whole career, unfortunately. Um, he was walking fine in that brace, as you'd expect, but can't see him in the in the in the uh, you know short future. I guess you'll we'll be seeing him. Um, but even on the stuff we mentioned with tweeting, because Monday morning we tweeted, it was kind of probably too late. Maybe it wasn't, clearly, because Bucky mentioned it. But we tagged Bucky, uh, Barry Odom, and Matt Varney on the tweet to say, please ask about all injuries. That's the only thing we really care about going into games. Especially if you win and you kind of win in a certain way. You don't. You want to know about certain parts of the game, but really just injuries. And I'll get to a couple more. Uh, and Bucky did shout out to him for mentioning it, like like I said. But uh, Matt Varney and Barry weren't even there. So uh, again, those guys getting hurt, don't want to see it. Deontay, he said Deontay, it's good news on him that he will be back, but we can't foresee him being here anytime soon. This so again, it's unfortunate. So maybe we'll see him uh, shortly, but can't foresee it. A lot of guys will just have to. Continue to step up, but you feel for a guy like Deontay. But if we get him back at the home stretch of this season, of the latter half, then we'll be all right. So, again, those are the first guys you notice, of course. Uh, and then you notice guys like Peyton Reeves, who's a good depth piece on the defensive line, has had really good moments this season so far. He's hurt. He's on crutches. Not a good sign. We thought we saw Caden Reeves. Steve Fallett said Caden Reeves during the game, but we weren't sure he was right on that. So both brothers maybe be banged up, but again, we can confirm Peyton Reeves is. And of course, Saluki Sports Network didn't have their their personnel report like they do every week. Didn't have that, so didn't really get to 
officially confirm some of these, but um, those are most notable, I think, uh, you know, injury-wise, three important pieces. Um, really, there's no one else. You know, we know the still the, the guys who need waivers and aren't going to probably play this year were there and everything, so everything was pretty good. Uh, I said Noah's going to mention stuff on the on the commits, and he will probably again. But we were able to get in touch with some, and uh, Jack Lindsay told us that I didn't see it at the time. Maybe Noah looked at it. I didn't see it, but Jack Lindsay said he was going to be at this game. And we did see him and Quentin that were in Saluki attire in front of where we were standing on the field. It looked like they were talking to a bunch of the other young offensive linemen who aren't dressing that are here right now. Uh, and then um, a lot of current, you know, playing offensive linemen or dressing offensive linemen. And Dan Clark came over and talked to him. So that was a good time. We saw a ton of, you know, recruits that were there. Some important ones that look like Noah will dive into those. Uh, but a lot of the guys were coming over and dapped them up currently too. So it was, it was a good scene that we saw for the recruits to give them a good kind of feel. But we did see Quentin and Jack Lindsay, which was cool. Uh, other than that... I think that's all of the notable. So I've spent too much time talking about this already. Let's go to the game and some of the moments here. Uh, you know, the, we uh, we got the ball first, which we were not upset with. Offense had to come out here and be good, and it didn't take us long to score, and that's a good sign. And uh, you know, uh, and even Noah talked about in the UT Martin game. He went back and watched. They allowed a big run. And Noah predicted Romero Elliott to be his dog of the game and mentioned big runs and mentioned, mentioned team rushing yards, which didn't accumulate at the end of the, by the end of the game. We'll talk, I'll mention why. I mean, again, I don't have to. Romero got hurt in this game, but he had a great first half, and he kicked it off with a 64-yard touchdown run, which was phenomenal. He just hit the sideline and scored, so we kind of knew we'd be, you know, on good, uh, you know, a great start. You know, Romir continues to be phenomenal for us continuously. Then we got a three and out by them. Uh, they had a, we had a, uh, a punt blocked. Shane Roth uh, blocked a punt, apparently. Uh, so that got us the ball pretty decent at our, uh, or it still ended up going towards our, yeah, that's right. It did get blocked and then still rolled within our territory. So, okay, let's keep piling it on. Uh, Vincent Davis got going a little bit at the start of this game. I mentioned guys had to step up. Um, Dunes, or, uh, there was a there's a penalty on Missouri State that went throughout most of this first drive, uh, but uh, we got the ball pretty. And then at their 14, all of a sudden, and then Vincent got hit for nine yards. Romier had a no gain run on third, and I'll dive into more of this. Uh, how great we've been on fourth down this year, and we had a play that. Um, it said it was a run, so I guess it was a uh, kind of a toss play. It looked like kind of a pitch, but you know, fourth and one, you know, they kind of you know bring out the creativity on some of these things, uh, especially whenever you're this close into their zone and you want to score. But Rowe got just an easy toss from Nick and easily scored, uh, which I'll dive in. Other times we had this exact same opportunity or situation, we were able to score with ease on some of these, but. That we scored our second touchdown, second for Romir on a fourth and one go for it, which you like to see. You clearly didn't want to kick a field goal just because you wanted the pilot on. You want to get better in the red zone and those kind of situations, so I'm glad they did. Uh, then they went down, got a field goal. This is whenever it was kind of, you know, we mentioned how we expected the defense to be great going into the game, and we mentioned how, yeah, there's still going to be hiccups for them. Uh, and that's what it was in this one. They 
they were getting sliced through, and there were a lot of points in this game where you know I said it on a tweet and I said it amongst Noah. Uh, you know, hot knife through butter, it seemed like at times. And we knew Missouri State was good. Jacob Clark was good. And Jacardier Wright, it was really led by those guys on this drive. Uh, it was 10 yards, Raylan Sharp, 11 yards, uh, Wright, 12 yards, Jamari Robinson. And then they got up all the way. Uh, and thankfully, or they went for it. They got to our 36. They went for it. And then Jacardier just had a 13-yard run to get him to our six. But luckily we held them, and they didn't have a whole lot. Jacardi didn't get anywhere. Uh, Jacob Clark tried to run, which he was, we tweeted. He's a big boy back there. Uh, he tried to run, didn't really go anywhere, and then incomplete pass, and then they had to settle for a 21-yard field goal, which I guess, you know, the way we were scoring and such, I would think that you'd want to go for it on fourth and goal at the four, but they decided to kick it. That was a weird decision. So they did that, and then, you know, and then um, – uh, Nick got sacked on this next drive after he was trying to hit. He got sacked on first and 10, and then Jalen got seven, and then he had an incomplete pass, and then we punted. 20, 20-yard 20 punt, terrible punt. I'll dive in near the end. This, again, specialists will be the reason why we don't do as good as we want to do this year the rest of the way. And then it started to get a little bit dicey. Missouri State then got the ball, uh, you know, the start of the end of the first, start of the second. Like I said, going through it like – uh, hot knife through butter. I mean, Tariq Owens got 36 yards right before the end of the first quarter. Um, and then uh, Jacob Clark uh, found Raylan Sharp, their leading receiver for eight yards. And then Raylan, or and then Jacob Clark found Gary Clinton, their, their tight end, when they went forward on fourth and two at R7. And this was a crazy play because we got, it was kind of a broken play. We got Jacob to roll out to his right. And then, you know, it kind of was a play where it's a, hey man, just, you know, uh, whatever the word is, uh, kind of do your own kind of thing. Uh, I'm blanking on the word. I'm sorry, but uh, uh, kind of do your own thing on the spot. And he just, I forgot who was on him. I want to say it was PJ, and he was just finding the tight end, Clinton, and then Clark threw it across the field, kind of cross body, right in the bread basket, right to him for a touchdown. And it was actually a nice play. Of course, it's one of those where, like, you want to stop him here, um, and like I said, kind of broken, and then things just end up falling, falling that way. And it was a nice play by them, but it definitely feels like it was one that shouldn't have happened, probably. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. So they got they got on the board and made it a little dicey, like I said. But then it wasn't dicey enough. We went down and scored. It was a lot of, I mean, Aiden Quinn again, his 13 yards. It was good to see Justin Strong back in this game, which Nick said that he was limited in practice all week. We know he hasn't been the same since the first half of Northern Illinois, uh, or maybe even the. So limited in practice, and then they threw him out in this game for the reasons of injury to some other guys, but. Uh, Huge here on some of these. Like I said, eight and thirteen yards. Vincent uh, got nowhere on a second and ten, and we were third and nine. And this is where one of the guys that had to step up. And I'll say it early: my offensive dog of the game was easily Zachary Gibson. We had mentioned, I think it was on the last one of the last solo one that I did, saying how we kind of whiffed on talking about what Zach Gibson could be this year. And he hasn't really got the opportunities. Nick said, uh, you know, I think on parts of, I think it was on the post game, he said they never really want to take Deontay, Vincent, or Isaiah off the field. Uh, so Zach really can't get in the game at that point. And, you know, and just knowing how our offense is, 
how you have so many of these gadget guys and speed guys that that's how you can win. But any other typical team would have, and Aiden kind of fits under that same thing. He's not really the full-on tight end. He is a he's a mix of a fullback and that. He's, he is a hybrid, but he does things. But it's not like you're using Schwindemann constantly. He was used at points in this game. Ryan was. But it's not like you have X, Y, and Z receivers, and you know you have a big guy out there. Um, you know, always going to roll with our, our main three. So Zach really can't get on the field. But he found Nick found him for 30 yards on, on third and nine, which was a big play um you know obviously when you're only up by four you don't want to give the ball right back to them when their offense is rolling so it was a huge conversion mentioned how you know obviously how bad we've been on third down this year and knowing you know how good it was on this was really was really good to see shot to zach for this and zach was not finished in this game uh there was a there was a pass interference call against vincent on one of the missouri state players so that got us first and goal at their two yard line uh, like I said, we were on the we sat on the far left end. We usually sit on the far right. Wanted to kind of stay out of the sun, so we sat somewhere different. So it was on the far side of the field. Got that penalty. Didn't couldn't really get anything. And of course, it leads to some of these play calls that get it to where Missouri State then called a timeout on a on a um, on a let's see after our second goal before third and goal, and then Nick had an incomplete pass. Oddly, it's not saying who they went to, but then we were fourth and goal here at the three yard line and. It was just an easy handoff outside run by Justin Strong, and he found the end zone with ease. Uh, so, again, you know, we're going forward on fourth. We're not being, like, too creative. Like I said, maybe the toss played a row on the first fourth and down touchdown, but this one was pretty standard, and we scored with ease. And what do you know? I mentioned the crappy punt by, Porn- by Torney earlier. Thomas Burks misses a PAT, and PATs are the kind where – you know, high snap or not, if you miss a 20-yard chip shot PAT, I'm taking your ass out. And again, and we don't want to harp on these guys too much, but it will be a reason why we don't win some of these games down the stretch and into the playoffs is because of these things, crappy punts and this. So as soon as, because we got two good kickers and Jake Bumgard hasn't seen the field in weeks, as soon as you miss a PAT, I'm taking you out. That's how I would do it, and that's not what they did in this game. But still, it just cannot be tolerated. Missing PATs. I can understand missing a 45-yard kick. You can't miss 20-yard PAT. So miss that. So it was a 20 to it was a 20 to 10 lead. Uh, and they go down and get another field goal. It was another, you know, good kind of uh, you know, Branson sack Jacob Clark on this play. Uh, but he was finding guys, you know, they were they were able to convert. Third and eight, they found a 16-yard play. Um, and then they got down. There was a let's see here. There was a oh yeah, there was a I think this is when Jacob Clark got hurt, I want to say. Yes, it was. Uh there was a play that, you know, kind of like a fumble. Jacob Clark just lost, or it was I'm sorry, it was um Iverson Brown picked it off. Jacob Clark threw an interception, but there was an offsides on our end by Tim Barga, which there were a lot of booze going how there was no way that that should have been what it was but and he brought it back all the way to a touchdown which you want to definitely continue you want to finish the play even though they definitely blew the whistle he still ran it back uh, which clearly not i mean if it says it on here which means they probably didn't blow get more ops jacob clark had a 12 yard run on third and two uh i think he was tackled by gosh i don't recall i want to say Ooh, you know what? I can't really remember who tackled him on the spot, but 
and he landed. I want to see if it was Branson or PJ or whoever, but they tackled him low, and it looked like he fell on his shoulder, which that's what it was. And, you know, he got up. He was down for a little bit and then went up and then couldn't even walk to the, you know, to get off the field. And he hit the ground, and then they came out. Uh, to look at him and stuff so it kind of looked like it could have been a lower body if he couldn't walk off the field but it looked like he was in kind of a sling kind of thing we saw him so he was out of the game he walked back before halftime to the locker room so then uh, Jordan Pashat I'm definitely botching that name he came in and we'll get to other stuff he did throughout the game but uh he got sacked by Barola on third and goal at our two-yard line, which was a massive play. They're about to score again, of course, and then they settled with a 28-yard field goal. Great job by Barola. And then we did some good things here. We used, uh, or no, they used a timeout. Apparently, I thought we were using some things, but we and Thomas Brooks made up for getting us some points here. But we were able to find Aiden and Isaiah for 25 yards on a couple plays. Uh, Said Missouri State used a timeout incomplete pass and then Nick Baker had a 28 yard run which is a again if he's lacing the ball everywhere you need to be able to run when you need to and he's done that at times and he did on this play it was a huge play got us to their 19 yard line had a couple incomplete passes and then we were able to get points before the half this is kind of the it was below two minutes this was a um you know 45 second drive we were going on here so um you know, this is even less than the two-minute offense. So it was great to see, you know, and, you know, the defense kind of plays, you know, kind of back a little bit, prevent, uh, which they shouldn't. Uh, but we were able to go downfield and shot the nick on that run, and Thomas made up for his missed PAT and had a 36-yard field goal to give us a 10-point lead at the half. You love to see it. Uh, so then halftime came. So, again, we – Romier was fantastic in this game. He had 102 yards at half. And two touchdowns, but we did not see him again. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, unless we did, unless he just ended up coming out, but I don't think so. He ended up with a boot on the sideline. We saw him because he wasn't in the game for a while. It's okay, what's going on? Uh, so then they punted out. They had the ball first out of half. They punted. Uh, and then we punted too, but it was good to see Justin Strong into the game. Like I said, there was no uh, no Rowe or Jalen Benefield. So uh, Nick said that. Rowe has a turf toe. He ended up with a boot. He didn't seem too upset at the end of the day. He looked pretty um, happy and, you know, in good spirits, clearly, in the locker room after the game, too, and some of the videos. So he's fine. And Nick kind of reiterated that it's hard to tell on Monday, but they said, you know, it should be fine, which we hope. If we're going in with no offense to Justin Strong, he even got banged up in this game. If we have Justin and Sean Lester and Jimmy Athens, which Sean and Jimmy both played in this game, then we're in trouble if we don't have Rowe and Jalen. So if we're not able to run the ball consistently and with guys you fully trust in the moment in order to win, then I don't see us uh, coming out with a win on Saturday. So hopefully those guys play. Uh, but we had kind of a long drive. Koffel had illegal snaps and things you haven't really seen so far this year, but it was a ton of Justin Strong. Um, and then so we had the Koffel uh, penalty, and then we had a Derek Harden Jr. personal foul. 15 yarders so then it got no we were fourth and 32 had to punt at our own 41 20 at a 37 yarder so then of course we thought momentum was totally swung on penalties and knowing that Roe and Jalen weren't playing they went down and scored in two and a half minutes six plays 78 yards pass shot wasn't really throwing the best uh balls he was kind of throwing ducks everywhere but he was finding guys he had uh well right away on second 10 so here's one of the things we've said is a kind of a con of this defense so far, of our defense so far this year. 
Branson sacked their quarterback on on second and ten, so they were facing third and fourteen, and then he found uh, one of their receivers for twenty four yards, and then um, there was a roughing the passer call on Cam Boundary. So again, we're seeing penalties that you don't like to see on both sides of the ball. So that set them up at our thirty one first and ten, and then they found Hunter Wood for a touchdown uh, for thirty one yards. So that got them within. Got them within three. So again, you know, it's seemed like every time they score, we were able to match, which is a great sign. And that's what we did on the next on the next possession. Three forty eight, kind of drive, seven plays, sixty five yards. Vincent Davis. This is when we saw Sean Lester come in. You know, Sean hasn't had much luck so far in some games. Not a whole lot of of uh, push within the offensive line on a lot of his runs. But then Vincent caught a twenty seven yarder. Uh, and then you started to see Sean and Justin get a couple of positive yards. Um, and then Nick got sacked on third and five. So we're fourth and nine and we go for it here. And I want to say this is at the point uh, <clears throat> in the third quarter uh, whenever I could get to another play too, maybe. But Zach Gibson again comes up clutch. And no, wait, no, this was on the other side of the field. I'm sorry. This was still when we were going to that side of the field um, before the end of the quarter. And uh, he just found Zach on an easy kind of stick play on the, and an out stick play, and he found Zach for 17 yards easy. Like I said, fourth down conversions were coming easy to us in this game, so that wasn't the play just yet with Zach. But again, Zach coming up clutch again. You need to use him for certain plays, and again, we'll see more of Zach as time goes on. He he is he is the third guy all of a sudden. And, I'll say it now, and Noah can say it on the next one for the preview, that I did see that there are depth chart changes. Deontay is off of it. Zach Gibson is in his spot. Um, And then Dayton Mitchell's not on there as well. He is – Vincent is the punt and kick returner. And then I noticed on defense, Desmond Hearns officially took over for Iverson on the depth chart starting free safety. So uh, just some other things. But great uh, job by Zach. And then first and 10 at their 19, Nick found Aiden up the scene for 19 yards. He kind of got behind the defense. It might have been kind of Aiden's own uh, like wheel route kind of thing, but he just found the end zone for 19 yards. Aiden Quinn doing amazing things. So, again, when they score, we score. So it was a great sign. Um, and then here, and then, you know, the end of the third leading into the, the start of the fourth, they were actually going downfield. We mentioned on some of these, Jacardi Arriba is doing good in the passing game. And then uh, they were facing a third and 14 desperation kind of play. Uh, and then we got a strip sack, and I forgot exactly who it was. Again, I blank on so many of these things, but they did fumble. Uh, it got sacked, fumble uh, at our 26. So we got the ball back, and then we stormed downfield. Took us a long time, 540 this drive was. So took out a lot of the uh, – so this actually what the final score ended up being after this drive. Uh, so, but it was a long one. It kind of sunk, you know, the ship for Missouri State to get back in it. Um, uh, Vincent seven yards looked like Justin had a huge, a huge pass catch for twenty eight yards. Mentioned he was kind of, uh, you know, beat up in this game too. Chase Evans had a false start, so again, that's probably our second false start of the season. Uh, and then there was an offsides on one of their plays, so then they got us third and seven on that five yard penalty. Found Aiden for four yards, fourth and three. We had a false start on Ryan Schwindeman. So, yeah, kind of a lot of penalties in this game for us. And then we had to settle for a field goal. Thomas hits a 32-yarder to get us to 33 points. And, again, that's kind of what it was. There was 
punch galore the rest of the way, and then uh, they we got a turnover on downs on them, and then we were in victory formation. We kind of left before because it was getting later, and we wanted to go eat dinner. We went to Chili's and got those. So we didn't see the ultimate ending to the game, but we did see some people after the game. We saw uh, Larry Warner there with, with family after the game. It was pretty busy, and then we saw DJ Johnson with family. We know it was family weekend, so a lot of people spending good time. Uh, like I said, saw DJ, dapped him up, told him good game after a Chili's as well. So there's the final score of uh, 33-20. to 20. Like I said, I was one point off on our end to get it to exactly, and if Thomas Brooks makes the PIT, I, was, I would have been exact. So um, on our end, Nick had nine incompletions, 285, one touchdown. I wanted to update it where he is uh, historically on the ranks now. Uh, he is 101 yards and eight touchdowns away. He will get the 101 yards in the next game. If he gets eight touchdowns, he will be out of the game by the time he even gets to four because hopefully we'll have one big and we'll get to see other guys in. So maybe in two games, I'd max it out of three for touchdowns in Nick because that would be eight. He's only got seven so far, so he would need eight. Now it should give us about a three-game stretch to do this. Do have some favorable match or like one favorable matchup after this one before another tough one. So Nick will get the yards on the next game, and then we'll get the touchdowns hopefully in the next three. Um, so, again, he had 285 and the one touchdown throw to Aiden. Uh, and then Rowe, I mentioned the nine for 102, got hurt in the first, uh, you know, near the end of the first half. Didn't play the second. He was on pace to do exactly everything Noah said and even climb up more on the list. 102 yards, two touchdowns, phenomenal bro LA game. Uh, Nick was 424 thanks to that big run, even through some sacks. And then Justin and Sean didn't get a whole lot of uh, great. <laughs> that kind of downed us a little bit uh, throughout most parts of the game. But uh, Jimmy Athens did come in when we were banged up at the end. Like I said, Jalen Benefield hurt as well with a hamstring. Uh Vincent Davis, 9 for 84. Great game from him again. Zach Gibson, 3 of 71. 24 yards a catch for Zach. Great job by him. Justin was 5 of 58 and 5 of 45. Isaiah had a kind of a downer game, uh, 2 of 17. And then Schwindeman, 1 for 11. That was at the start. And then Jalen had 1 for 7. Uh, oh, yeah. The Bohannik had the strip sack. He, he stripped him and then recovered it as well. So a great play by Colin Bohannik on that. Uh, and then we mentioned um, some other things. And 20 was 31 net on his punts. Not great at all. Uh, team stat-wise, I was going to get into, I guess ESPN doesn't is not going to show defense. I did have it, though, uh, at some point here. Bear with me for what we did on the defensive side. Branson led us in tackles. I mentioned how Branson was my uh, conference breakout candidate. Uh, had 11 total tackles, did have the one sack. PJ had nine tackles, one and a half tackles for loss. I mean, we had what? I mean, we had just had so many tackles for loss in this game. I mean, everyone that had one was Branson. Iverson had a good game, seven total tackles, had the one sack. He had a sack as well, and then one tackle for loss. And like I said, he's off the depth chart now, which is interesting. He had his best game as a Saluki, but uh, Barola seven total, one tackle for loss, and a sack for him. DJ five total, two tackles for loss. Uh, Cam, one tackle for loss, five tackles, a half sack for Cam, one for Colin, one for Devin. Cowan had a sack uh, near the latter parts of this game. He just he didn't blindside him. I think their backup definitely saw him coming. Um, so uh, shout out to all these guys. So we ended up with three, 
four, five. We ended up with six sacks in the game. Dante Cleveland had a half sack. Uh, Lewis had a half tackle for loss, which was good. But other than that, yeah, overall, six sacks on the game. You'd love to see that. Uh, and then some other guys got saw a lot of train, <clears throat> which this is something that I hadn't mentioned yet. Mark Davis was concussed. Uh, so we didn't see him in the latter parts of the game, too. So we were seeing a lot of Dre Newman and Jameer Khan out there. And I guess they did fine, but still you don't want to see that. Mark Davis was look healthy on the sidelines, just, again, concussed. They didn't want to put him out there in the second half. Should be good by next week. Uh, so I'm just looking at that and reminding myself of some of that. Ubed Steed had one tackle. Uh, Dewey Green saw a lot of him in this game. So uh, good to see. Like to see a lot of these guys still come and be solid. Um, we had 23 first downs. We had, um, let's see here. 300. They had more total yards than we did, thanks to some garbage stuff, I guess, throughout along the way. But uh, over in that, pretty good. Sorry if I'm rambling on as I read some of these. Um, more so, though, um, we had six penalties for 42 yards. Again, that's probably the most we've had in the game so far, six. They had nine for 65 allowed. Uh, um, excuse me, we had nine penalties. They had six. So I was getting them flip-flopped there. Sorry, uh, they had two more first downs than we did, but we were three of three on fourth down, four of 12 on third. Uh, and time of possession, we had by three. But again, too, little, way too many penalties. Nine is a lot. Hopefully, definitely they're going to work on that because uh, that was a home game getting a lot of sacks, let alone what you can do back on the road against a tough team next week. So again, a 33-20 to dub. Uh, like I said, Nick kind of talked after the game, had a couple things. I wanted to actually – Go back and look at um, some things maybe that Coach Hill said that were more notable, you know, off of the app here on some quotes that he had. If I can get it to load, you know, whenever you have things open too long, they don't seem to load. Um, so give me one second here. Uh Let's see here. Uh, Nick talked about Zach Gibson a little bit. Said I quote, "I thought Zach Gibson had some big time catches. He stayed the course. He's practiced hard, and when his time was called today, he came up big." End quote. Uh, he was asked about you know getting to the point of finishing the deal on some things here. Uh, Branson spoke, said, quote, we really take pride in stopping the run. We get a scouting report, and the first page of that thing is stop the run. That's something we're big on in the linebacker room. If you can stop the run, you can get to longer down and distances, and that's where we create the sacks and guys come off the line, end quote. Um, and then Nick had an ending post here. So, again, we're 4-0 for the first time since 2007, which is massive. Uh, the last time that happened was Nick Hill's led team. They went 12-2 and in advance to the final four of the playoffs that year. Uh, so, you know, foreseeing something down the road, you never know, but, um, just a crazy thing that we have. We're doing stuff in both sports that we haven't done. And, um, since 2007, what a, what a time in athletics that was. So some more things here to touch up at the end of this, uh, Dune did get his second targeting, which I didn't talk about in this game, but it did happen before the first half ended. So we will get him at the start of the next game. He kind of just led with his helmet and like the sternum of the quarterback. And of course they called it. They had to go review it. And Doom was pretty upset about it off the field, hitting himself in the helmet and then sitting over there. A lot of people were going to console him, but he was tweeting in the last coming days. So I think he's in better spirits probably because he knows he doesn't have to sit out, which is a good sign. Um, so that was of course notable because we don't know the whole thing with two and four games, how that can, you know, affect you the rest of the year. But 
but again, Jacob Clark got hurt in this game. It could have impacted it, of course, uh, but their backup came in and played well. Uh, even going into this game, we mentioned how Justin Strong was banged up. Jimmy Athens was still on kickoff return, and he was on punt coverage with a lot or kickoff coverage with a lot of the young guys we've been seeing all year. Uh, did see Zach Barola got hurt at the end of this game. He kind of had to get helped off the field. Uh, but again, Nick didn't mention him, so I think he's all right. He's a pretty important piece, so I'd say you'd need to talk about him if he's hurt, but I think he's good to go. Uh, he's pretty tough. You see Zach getting helped off the field. You know he's in pretty bad pain. He's one. He's probably the toughest dude on the team. Uh, I mentioned the uh, you know Rowe and Benefield should be back next week. We did try a fake field goal in this game, which it did not work because they got negated by a penalty. I want to say that was Schwindemann's penalty. Uh, on the fake field goal, which actually was a pretty good play. I can't really think of it. It was just a lot of toss plays that would have ended up working. I think it was Nick who caught it, obviously, off the rip and then did it. And they, he was pretty upset after the fact when they called it. I think that was the Schwindemann one. Um, but, you know, but Noah said at the moment, we have that on tape, or people have that on tape now. So probably won't be able to try it again for a while, all depending. Uh, but again, a lot of bad penalties. So I mentioned we were, we're 10 and 12 so far on fourth down this year. And Nick kind of talked about that and the presser and then mentioned how, you know, kind of if it's, if it's the best look analytically, they will do it. So he, you know, we talked about even before the season, I think about Nick and, you know, big into analytics. Uh, so obviously if it tells him they should or shouldn't and what the probability is to win after that, I'm sure all that stuff, it goes off of that. Mentioned Zach Gibson stepped up, was easily the offensive dog of the game. I'll give the defensive dog of the game to Branson. He came up with a sack. He led us in tackles. You could go with Bohannik for forcing that fumble. But again, you had uh, and Iverson was Iverson was active on the on the kick on the pick six that didn't count, but then he had his own sack, uh, played well. But you can give it to a lot of other people. Defense was just great all around in terms of getting to the quarterback and getting those sacks. Um, I had something here. I mentioned the specialist play has to improve, or will it'll sink us at the end of the year? Uh, the 2022 class, because we, you know, we talked about how we didn't see, we have not, we don't, you don't see most of the guys on the on road trips, and we saw Jalen Banks. He was he was dressed, ready to go in this game, you know. And uh, Charles Young and Brian Brown just have their jerseys on. They're not even ready to play. We know Jimmy Lansing is ready to, you know, ready for when his name's called. But just again, the 2022 class is not doing great right now. And Ryan Chanley's still putting on a jersey, not dressing fully. Uh, some of these guys are on the trip, some are not. We saw Jay Jones dressed, didn't get any snaps, of course. So it's like, you know, who's able to go on road trips and who's really not? I don't know what the rules are with who's able to go and blah, blah, blah. But uh, which I'll have to look at the depth chart again. Noah might talk about it. Um, see if Jay Jones is even on there. I might look at that here by the end. But. Just weird. And uh, speaking of other guys from that class, so you see guys like Miles Marshall, uh, who's making tackles on special team. We saw him make one. He was in the video for SEMO that he made one, and then he made a good one in this game too, a big one. So, you know, he's actually coming up big. You, you wouldn't really see a tight end. He, he played defense in high school too. But seeing him on uh, punt and kickoff, uh, you know, return coverage units are, are pretty cool to see. So it's good to see him involved. If he's not on the field as a tight end. Uh, so then, you know, so there's really only four from that class off the top of my head that I could think of is Desmond Hearns, of course, Ben Bogle, of course, Jimmy Lansing, Dead Peace, and the Miles Marshall. And there's probably more I can't think of, but, you know, a lot of unknowns with that class otherwise. So we'll keep an eye out for that the rest of the year. It's always a topic I feel like I want to mention. Uh, so again, I mentioned my dogs of the game. So that's, that's the game. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we expected to win, you know, and again, if Jacob Clark doesn't get hurt, who knows how it really 
could have factored in the rest of the way. But like I said, their quarterback did decently well. Um, so I wanted to go into what else happened around the league first before we get into uh, obviously more rankings. It was a crazy week in the FCS for upsets and who all went down, but I'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about what other Valley teams did before that on uh, week five, South Dakota. This was, I should have probably ended with this one, but I just mentioned it. South Dakota went into North Dakota state in the Fargo dome, probably a place they haven't lost at in a in the regular season in a long time. Could be wrong on that. Not even sure. South Dakota, you know, they were they were up big. Let me look at the dissection here. Uh, they were up seven to three at the end of the first, and then they scored fourteen points in the second. They were up twenty one to three at one point, and then North Dakota State, which we figured, you know, they'll come back, you know, kind of thing. You kind of would expect that they did outscore them sixteen to three in the second half, but it was all for not. They lost by five. Uh, Again, we talked about South Dakota. Them and Missouri State are of the of the five eh, teams we were playing all year on our schedule needed to win. But seeing South Dakota do this, we knew they were you know they were good. They were showing again you know they fought against Mizzou and ended up losing, and they kind of didn't really play. They played at some nobodies, I guess, throughout. So and that's what Noah kind of said, and I agree. So it's not like they were crazy coming in here, but they're talented and then. Getting that win is clearly just massive. North Dakota State losing at home, falling in the rankings is just in general by far the game of the week. Shout out to South Dakota for getting that win, and we'll be seeing them in early November coming to our place. Uh, you know, doing you know maybe we'll see what kind of road they have the rest of the way. But that was a huge win for them. Youngstown scored 41 points and lost it at UNI. A barn burner of 85 total points scored. Uh, again, Youngstown goes on the road and score. We'll be seeing them score at their place, all depending. We know UNI is still tough, even though it's not really their season this year. But UNI did get the big win. So Youngstown's coming off a loss. will be pretty upset going into our game. And then South Dakota State doubled up North Dakota 42-21 to at home. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think this game was – I think it was, let's see here, it was 21 to 7, and it kind of, you know, they both scored 14 in the fourth quarter, which made it what it was, but it really wasn't close throughout. And then we talked about the game, the game of the week in the Valley was uh, Indiana State uh, at Murray State. A good game, as we predicted. Murray State got the two point win, 30 to 28, to give Indiana State an 0 and 4. 0 and 4 start to the season. So let's do the standings in the league, one game in. Illinois State had a bye. They were the only 1-0 team at this point. There's only, of course, half the league is 1-0. South Dakota State, us, Illinois State, South Dakota, Murray, and you and I, and then the other teams they beat, 0-1. So, again, who's scoring the most points? South Dakota State scoring 177. Some of these other teams are. We're scoring 122, which is uh, more than South Dakota and Murray in terms of teams who won, and obviously Western Indiana State not scoring a whole lot, but that is one of the lowest so far, a little bit more than you and I. So that's where the standings are in the league. Uh, some other games around the league, like I said, a lot of upsets to mention. Um, if I could find it and mention uh, some of these that were just, again, massive. And you start with, um, you know, besides South Dakota, who wasn't ranked at the time, knocking off North Dakota State. You had games like... Um, Let's see here. I mean, even it wasn't a range game, but Austin P going to Lindenwood and smoking them fifty-two to ten. Again, Austin P, who's now on the on the rankings, we'll talk about that in a second. Good to see them starting to win. Uh, 
Elon, William & Mary, who was ranked high, only scored six points on the road and lost 14-6 to Elon. Big one. Uh, let's see. Western Carolina killed the Citadel just because Western Carolina is ranked. Weber State beat Northern Colorado barely. So Weber's kind of going through some funks, but they did get the win on the road. Uh, let's see here. Uh, NC Central won an overtime against Campbell. So NC Central is one of those teams that barely escaped. One by one in overtime at home. Crazy. Idaho beat Eastern Washington in a really good game. Um, so Idaho obviously stays up where they are, but they got an eight-point win on the road. Montana barely beat Idaho State. Uh, we know the Grizz have struggled sometimes this year. Montana State beat Portland State 38-22, so they stayed up. Uh, here's some other ones here. Harvard, who as of right now where it stands, are one of only three undefeated teams left in the FCS. With us and with the Jackrabbits, shout out to Harvard. Had a 10-point win at Holy Cross, which was a massive one. Holy Cross gets their second loss of the season. Uh, even, you know, uh, what's his name? You know, in this game, Sluka, 15-26, uh, four touchdowns, did throw three picks. So, again, you know, you kind of, if you don't throw two, if you don't throw, if you only throw one pick, don't throw two, you probably win. So turnovers kind of cost them in that game. Uh, some other ones here. Uh, Kennesaw State lost by three. Uh, Abilene Christian lost to North Texas. Um, uh, Eastern Illinois won by nine against Northwestern State. That was kind of a scare for them for a little bit. UT Martin in the big, in the big OVC, I'll call it. They won by 10 over Tennessee State. UC Davis beat Cal Poly by 18. Central Arkansas beat Southern Utah barely by two. So they were one of the teams that were kind of, you know, them and, uh, who did I say, NC Central were kind of struggling to hold on to their wins. But those teams in the Sacramento State barely beat Northern Arizona by one point. So, again, you had a lot of teams that lost that were ranked. I probably didn't even mention some. Some were ringing the bell off the top of my head because they don't have rankings on the ESPN app. But a lot of teams lost and a lot of teams barely escaped. So a crazy week in the FCS. These are the kind of weeks you won in the FCS. Kind of some chaos. And, you know, we don't want to be part of the chaos. And, you know, obviously in the good ways, not the bad ways, because it can lead to a really fun late season push into the playoff picture. So, um, so those are what happened. So in terms of the new rankings, a lot of stuff we were retweeting this past week. I'll get to some more stats and such. But in terms of the AFCA rankings, we are fifth. It's good to be in the top five again. I think it's set back. A couple of seasons ago, we were ranked third. I think in that spring season, we were ranked third in the country. But we were ranked fifth behind South Dakota State at one, Montana State at two, Idaho at three. Those seem like the, those seem like the three best teams in the country for sure. Uh, Furman at four, and then after that, you know, North Dakota State falls to eight. Sacramento State's at seven. William and Mary at nine. North Carolina Central at eleven. Holy Cross falls to twelve. Montana is at thirteen, and it's kind of crazy. They are not playing well this year. They barely escape a win. A lot of people are upset with that. A lot of people are upset with these rankings. Uh, North, see, North Dakota gets killed by South Dakota State. I know it's the number one team, but they stay at fifteen. Other notable teams, though, uh, South Dakota with that big win goes in the twenty-one in their rankings. They're a lot higher than others. Illinois State back in the top 25, which they didn't even play, but they're back in it at 22. UT Martin at 23. Eastern Illinois tied at 25th with Rhode Island. That is just the one you see most notable because uh, I know, you know, throughout parts of early Sunday or throughout Sunday, 
A lot of other people have their rankings. Craig Haley had us at at sixth. Um, Joe DeLeon had us at four. Shout out to him. That's what I feel like we are right now is fourth behind the top three. Uh, and then I think Sam Herter, uh, he had us at – I forgot what it was. Who cares what he thinks anyway? FCS Nation Radio had us at six. The Triumvirate Poll had us at uh, five. Um, Jamie Williams, who's been high on us all year, has us at that four spot, which is what, again, what we should be. I think Stan Beckton had us at in the top five. Uh, the Blue Bloods had us at four. Um, and then I thought I had one more. And then fan, FCS Fans Nation had us at four. So, again, some fours, some fives. Some, Craig Haley, which I'm surprised that had us at six. Sam Herter had us around that as well. Uh, but, again, four seems at the right spot. Can't complain, though. We are on the top five. Great to see. Um, and then... Uh, some other things here. Stan back. Stan Beckton had his bracket. He ended up not having us in the uh, top eight. He did not have us finishing with a top eight seed, even from where we are right now. Uh, but um, playoff picture for Brian McLaughlin. He still had us in his playoff picture, of course. Uh, let's see here. Um, he had us at fifth. So getting that, you know, automatic have. You know, getting that top eight seed, and he has other teams on the outside looking in. He does have Austin P winning his winning their conference. UT Martin winning the Big South OVC conference. Uh, so no SEMO. Clearly, they've fallen a little bit. They did have a bye this past week. Eastern Illinois getting in, according to him. You and I getting in that large bid, which is interesting. Uh, and South Dakota getting the almost seeds. He's a, they're the first. They're ahead of North Dakota State, obviously, in that in terms of an almost getting a top eight seed. But he did have us there. Mentioned Stan Beckton didn't have us in his. Um, and then some other stats here. Sam Herter had FCS uh, highest graded FCS offenses and defenses through the first five weeks via PFF. We are not in the top five on offense, but we are fourth in defense with 90.1. Illinois State leading the way still at 91.1. A couple Ivy League schools in there for defense. Um, some other stats here. The Valley had us at um, – here just had some other rankings of Massey ratings. We are two in the country, uh, which is wild to see a Massey ratings. We are, of course, only behind the Jackrabbits in that regard. Um Let's see here. Just, just some other things. I'm sorry if I'm rambling on. Hopefully everybody still stayed on to listen to a lot of this stuff. Uh, but there's just so many things to go through, so many things that are retweeted. Completion percentage in the league. Cam Miller, North Dakota State are leading that with 75.5. We are ninth in the country, fifth in the conference at 70.7 with Nick. Uh, there was an updated thing on playoff predictor chances via – Red Herring, who's analytics-based FCS coverage, he had a 15% chance to win the automatic bid of the conference. It's behind its second best, and it's behind South Dakota State's 37%. But he did have us at 89% to make the playoffs. That is behind 98% for North Dakota State and 93% for South Dakota State. So be that what it may, you know, this guy's not really doesn't have too many followers, but uh, you know, he is did has that, so it's always fun to mention that. So, obviously, like I said, in terms of all the stats and rankings and stuff, there were some things that came out, though. Sam Herter had a tweet earlier today about uh, for the playoff committee. Uh, he had a couple things to share. He said the committee did discuss whether to keep the coaches poll on the list of data points. 
slash tools members can reference or utilize. They decided to keep it on there. Now this doesn't mean members have to factor into their decisions. And we know that was a big uh, talking point amongst people around the country. So notable for sure. Uh, there are some other things. Craig Haley ended up saying that um, the home playoff bid portal. So for teams to to bid for home playoff games, obviously you got to sustain winning the rest of the way. But he said that is open. So that's of course notable because that factors in with us wanting wanting one and hoping to sustain our own good the rest of the way. That was notable. Him mentioning that and then. Uh, the ESPN had a thing that they're starting to uh, have some things for the portal. Uh, let's see. Uh, NCAA Division One Council fully drops incoming player limit for, for football transfers and recruits. Uh, the Athletic has something on this. I don't have it on me at the moment. I'll dive into it more as time goes on. Clearly notable with the players that we have and just what other people are having around the country. It says the Division One Council approved a rule change Wednesday that will eliminate the initial counter limit for both the FBS and FCS. Prior to the rule change, FBS programs were limited to 25 initial counters per year, which essentially meant each program could bring in 25 total players each year. Um, the total including high school prospects and transfers and coaches were limited to 25, even if they were below the total scholarship limit of 85 it says the initial counters had been temporarily suspended in 2021 as a result of the uncertainty around COVID-19 and the implementation of the one-time transfer exception which let players transfer once without penalty that rule has now been permanently eliminated and each program will be bound only by the total scholarship limit so wow so again talk about the sanctions that they want to put on the portal which you want to see and it's all about you know how it affects you know the team that it's maybe it's too late, but at least in general it's good for the future of certain things to limit to where it's they don't pick and choose of who plays and who doesn't play. They kind of start to stabilize this a little bit. So we'll have more on these. These are notable uh, things. Like I said, the athletic had one as well. We'll talk about as time goes on. We we'll definitely want to keep a hold of that. Um, so then I mentioned uh, Nick's presser didn't really have much. He had stuff on Youngstown, which Noah will talk about. But he did mention the injuries and shout out to Bucky for telling us about uh, the stuff uh, and mentioning that he didn't say us specifically, but said that we I got asked about it on Twitter about it. Uh, quickly to end this thing, former Salukis, NFL Salukis, don't have Zach Zabrowski, do have NFL. Jeremy was great against the Vikings this week. Uh, we mentioned how Ryan was great last week for the Bucks. Jeremy was great, had you know, had six total tackles, all were solo. He was, that was second on the team, had one tackle for loss and one sack. He got Kirk Cousins on a just a dive bomb he had off the linebacker, a strong safety position. Jeremy's great, and he's healthy, and he's playing, he's playing great. He's one of the faces of that team. He had a great week, and then Ryan only had two total tackles against the Saints. And this one in a game that they actually won pretty handedly. And then in the London game, Mike Cole against the Jaguars. He did have one target but did not get the catch. So at least he's playing again. So good job by the NFL Salukis this week. So, again, hope you guys enjoyed this recap. It was a solo, uh, kind of on the spot, kind of doing it as a solo. So, you know, kind of rambled on. So I apologize for that. But hope you guys enjoyed this. And the win that got us to 4-0, ranked fifth in the country, one of only three undefeated teams, and the first time we're doing it since 2007. Carrying into this tough week against Youngstown, like I said, I won't be here the rest of the week, but Noah will have you guys covered on that by either tomorrow or Friday to talk about it and also talk about the commits. We've heard a little bit from them, not as much, but Noah will have all that info because we had a lot of recruits on 
you know, on campus and at the game this past Saturday that he will dive into a lot of notable ones as well. And we had a couple offers that all of that Noah will dive into by the end of the week. So again, great to be 4-0. Nick Hill's never satisfied. We are never satisfied. You beat a team you needed to beat. Now you segue into the, some of the tough games. You get through this game, you have an easy game, and then that homecoming game is ever so special and important. But we know how, how hard this next game will be. So again, Noah will have you guys covered on the Penguins at the end of the week. So for Nick Malone, come to you guys on the next time. Enjoy this 4-0 recap of Missouri State. Until next time, go dogs.